Well, hello everyone. I am Matt Williamson, and let's dig into the roster move. The Steelers snagged Darius Rush, a player I liked a lot coming out of South Carolina this past year, off the Chiefs practice squad. And let's talk about Desmond King real quick. I don't know this for sure. I thought it was odd that he never really got a chance to show what he could do. But my hunch is they see outside corners, and King's done both, but he's more of a slot. That they see outside corner as a bigger need than slot, you know, because I think they project Peterson to go inside, and Rush is definitely an outside corner. I mean, 100%. So I think that's why this move was made, or they just decided, hey, we liked Rush a lot too, kind of like when they drafted Trice. Did we plan on drafting two corners high? Uh, But, you know, we'll talk about him in a minute. Anyways, I think King was probably moved on from because he is more of a slot. And frankly, their secondary is so slow, it got a lot faster today. They're also the fifth highest man coverage team in the entire league. And King's more of a zone guy. You know, Rush is definitely much more of a man coverage, long, lean guy. So let's talk about what he is. I mean, here's where his measurables at the combine. Just under 6'2", just under 200 pounds, long arms, you know, 33 and 3 eighths long arms, 43640 with a really good 10-yard split, good 20-yard split, good not great jumps, 35-inch vertical, 10-foot-1 broad. So really a physical specimen, really. And I'm going to read some stuff from Dane Brugler's The the Beast, because I think it's very, very accurate. And Dane had him as his ninth-ranked cornerback in this draft, even ahead of Cam Smith, who was a second-round pick of the Dolphins, who also went to South Carolina. They had two corners drafted reasonably high in this draft. Most people were more focused on Cam Smith, but Rush came on really heavy you know, in senior bowl combine, as I mentioned, and Dane had a second to third round grade on rush. And that's where I thought he was going to go. To be very honest with you, he ended up going in the fifth round to the Colts. Didn't make the team, which is odd because their cornerbacks are terrible. I mean, maybe there's something we're just missing here. KC claimed him immediately, put him on the practice squad. And then the Steelers just sniped him today, yesterday. Um, but here's some of the, the height. Here's basically the, Summary on Rush, which I very much agree with. A two-year starter at South Carolina, Rush was an outside cornerback in defensive coordinators Clayton White's man-heavy scheme. Again, I mean, long, lean, man-pressed coverage corner, athletic. As a big fish in a small pond in high school, he played multiple positions and was recruited as a wide receiver until Will Muschamp moved him to cornerback full-time where he emerged as an ascending player the past two seasons. A good-sized athlete, Rush has excellent reactionary quickness in man coverage with the balanced movements to transition cleanly out of his breaks and make plays on the football. You really saw that in drills, by the way, at the combine. I mean, and senior bowl as well. Uh, Though he does a great job closing space and coverage, his route anticipation is still a work in progress. And his play strength must improve to better match up his physical NFL with, with physical NFL wide up routes. I mentioned he came in at 198 at the combine. I think he may have put a little weight on just to look better, but he still ran really well. So he is a little bit on the leaner side. Overall, Rush is not a secure tackler. Uh oh. 
Well, you're not going to get perfect guys off of uh, practice squads, by the way. But secure tackling has not exactly been the Steelers' corner strengths. And Rush must continue to develop his instincts in off coverage, but he has the fluidity and length to turn, run, stay stride for stride as receivers. His athletic cover traits give him NFL starting potential as a man-to-man corner grade second to third round area. And that's what I thought of him too, to be very honest with you. Much of the same. So maybe between Porter, Rush, and Trice next year, you have two starting corners. Maybe Rush can get in the mix at some point this year. Who knows? Um, I'm sure it'll be a little while, of course. Um, I'm going to take a quick break here, and then I want to introduce you to what the Rams have been up to this year, um, just to kind of give you a little taste of the upcoming opponent. All right. Um, the Rams, I told you a lot about the Rams yesterday. They're, they've exceeded my expectations. I thought this was going to be a miserable game for them. But here's some numbers, just as we do. This is an overview standpoint. This isn't when the Steelers have the ball or when LA has the ball. This is just some some stuff. So, as you remember, the Steelers were 7-2 and two after their bye last week, last year, right? We've talked about that tons. You know, week nine bye, things got a lot better. Personally, I'm kind of anticipating the same and will be critical if not after this bye. But Tomlin's record in all games played after his bye. So, example, they were 7-2 and two last year. If you combine that every season, he's 61-28-1 in all games played after a bye week. I mean, like all games, not just the game after the bye week. 61-28-1. Maybe he gets things fixed during the bye. Speaking of which, Pittsburgh has won their last six games coming off of their bye, you know, the game after the bye. And just three teams are undefeated the game after their bye since 2017. Steelers are obviously one of them. For his career, Tomlin is 12-4 and in the game after the bye. Two weeks to prepare. Pittsburgh has split their two road games this year. Rams are home at one and two. Their point differential is plus 21 compared to minus 31 for the Steelers. Mentioned the home road thing, but I really think there's going to be 50% of you guys there. And this is going to be a very home-like environment. The current record of the three teams that Los Angeles lost to is 13-5. and five. The three teams they defeated this year are currently a combined 7-10. and 10. They lost to the Eagles and they lost to the Niners. I mean, so... Not a lot of shame in that. The Steelers have been outrushed this season by 317 yards in five games. And a Pittsburgh's opponents average 1.4 yards more per carry than the Steelers have produced. So every handoff in a Steeler game has basically been minus 1.4 yards for the Steelers, plus 1.4 yards for the opponent. That's terrible. Meanwhile, LA has 304 more passing yards than their opponent, which is just over 50 per game to their advantage. I mean, it's a, they've played six games, so on average, they throw for about 50 yards more than their opponent. How about this? Over the course of their careers, 
Aaron Donald has 105.5 sacks in 144 career games. That's 0.73 sacks per game. Basically, three out of four games in his career, Aaron Donald gets a sack. TJ Watt has played 92 games and has 85.5 sacks per game. That's 0.93 sacks per game. (laughs) Pretty crazy. Time of possession. Rams hold the ball for 30-37. Steelers are at 26-52, which is only better than Minnesota and Denver. Yuck. This is crazy. The Steelers have had a lead on the scoreboard. They've snapped the ball on offense with a lead, 23.4% of their snaps. That's the lowest team. That's the lowest percentage of any team with a winning record. Steelers are plus five in turnover differential, taking the ball away 11 times while only losing two fumbles and throwing four interceptions through five games. The Rams are minus one, having only taken the football away five times in six games. But Los Angeles offense has only lost one fumble this season. The average drive in a Steelers game favors the opponent by 6.13 yards. Only four teams are worse. So just like we were talking about with the rushing, every drive that's happened in the Steelers game, the opponent has gained 6.13 more yards than the Steelers. They're also sixth worst in points per drive in this capacity and fifth worst in touchdowns per drive and last in punts per drive when you combine both sides of the ball. So the differential of when you're on defense versus offense, what you cause, what you do, they're the worst. I mean, they're terrible in yards per drive, points per drive, touchdowns per drive, punts per drive. So it's not just the offense. Steelers' average drive begins at their own 26.7-yard line. Only six teams start drives in worse field position. So as if things weren't hard enough for this offense against the hardest slate of defenses in the league thus far, only six teams have started with worse starting field position. One of those teams are the Rams, though. Their average drive starts at the 26.5-yard line. Last thing here for you today, Pittsburgh's opponents have been penalized 14 times more or 14 more times than the Steelers. Pittsburgh is plus 125 in penalty yardage. Los Angeles happens to be dead even, having been penalized 36 times, the same number as their opponents. So that is one thing that has worked in the Steelers' advantage in terms of hidden yardage. Penalties have been good. All right, we will talk tomorrow about both sides of the ball, predictions, all that kind of good stuff coming up the rest of the week. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.